This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of our podcast, I'm joined by Rebecca Page. She is the founder of Concierge Home Services. She's been in business for 17 years, and in addition to sharing some valuable lessons, she also shares with us how and why she left a great job in high tech to follow her entrepreneurial dream. I hope you enjoy the show. My name is Rebecca Page. I'm the founder of Concierge Home Services. I'm one of the few female franchisors in Canada, and I'm excited to be part of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Rebecca. I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Pat. Can you tell us a bit about uh, your background and, and your business that you own, please? My company is Concierge Home Services. We provide household management services for discerning homeowners. Our primary service is house cleaning. We do pet sitting and home checks as well. And through our partners, we do carpet cleaning and window washing. So the concept is really sort of a one-stop shop for those sorts of needs. And uh, my background was in human resources, actually. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So after I graduated with from, from Carleton with a degree that, you know, doesn't equip you for anything, um, I did some work overseas. Then I came back to Canada, ended up in uh, HR in a very small high-tech firm. We went from 80 people to almost 300 in a wow. year and a half. I went from being the only HR person to running an apartment of like six people and uh, and I really enjoyed that environment of problem solving and being sort of the go-to person and uh, and that growth and that creativity. I really thrived in that environment and I enjoyed it. And then, you know, and this is, you know, back in the day when the tech <laughs> bubble, you know, when the internet right, was still was right. the new shiny thing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, our company got sucked up into the corporate mothership. And my job came very much about filling out forms and faxing it to head mm-hmm. office and waiting for translations. And, and people started to speak to me in all this corporate speak about, have you filled out your BC 461 form? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, so that was a real turning point for me that I had to really decide, do I continue in this corporate path? Which on paper looked very promising, you know, stock options and bonuses and promotions and fancy titles and all of those bells and whistles. But I hated my life and I hated Mm. going into the cubicle and I hated having to fill out more forms. And so I kind of reflected about what I wanted to do. And I remembered when I was university, how I said I didn't want to be stuck on it at a desk filling out forms. And I remembered all the times in my childhood when I had created little businesses and little sales projects and little marketing things. And so I realized that, you know, if I'm going to start a business, now is the time. So I started that from scratch, which wow. is, you know, yeah. challenging. Yeah. No, so interesting. So you went from tech to yes. <clears throat> to kind of non-tech for lack yes. of a better term. So was that by design, Rebecca? Did you specifically try to stay clear of tech or this is an idea you've kind of had in your head prior to actually launching the business? Well, I just knew I wanted to start and run and grow a business. Okay. I didn't know what. I knew that I didn't want to sell anything like product, you know. I didn't want to have a storefront. 
I didn't want to deal with stock. So I knew I wanted to have a service. And what sort of drove me to this idea was, was really that last year or so working in that HR job because I was doing a lot of traveling between Ottawa, Toronto and Montreal. I was interacting with a lot of senior management people, uh, directors, VPs, and everybody anecdotally shared their stories about how difficult it was mm. to find someone to help around the house, that their cleaning lady didn't show up again, um, their plants died while they were at that conference, They, the neighbor kid never did come to feed the cat. You <laughs> Those know, neighbor and, kids. Uh, the neighbor kids. And in uh, stories of damage and stories of miscommunication, and, and I found that interesting and I saw an opportunity there because it was surprising to me because at that point there were certainly well-established brands in the house cleaning industry. So why is it that people in three cities are saying that they're having a difficult time finding someone reliable? Mm -hmm. So I spent about a year researching and sort of identifying what the pitfalls were in those systems and developing a business model that would avoid them and also then incorporated the other lines of services as well, partly as a differentiator and partly because it's extra revenue streams and, um, and it just creates extra loyalty and stick with our clients in order to have those additional services we provide to them. So is your, is your service, is it aimed at, at an aging population or it's really not that? It's more about, you mentioned discerning when you started the whole thing. Can you kind of clarify, because I know there's a lot of those popping up now where it's basically enabling people to live in home in their home longer, but your, yours is... A, I mean, that can be part of okay. the need that we fill. I mean, when I'd say discerning, it's more a matter of wanting quality and gotcha. understanding value okay. and not price point, okay. because I knew at the outset that if this is a business to compete on price, you're never going to make any money mm -hmm. because there's always going to be someone out there who will undercut you because right. they don't have training, they don't have insurance, they don't have a worker's compensation. You know, they're just a well-meaning person, you know, right. and, and not to take away from the integrity of some of those people who are out there. But I knew enough, even at that point, I mean, and this is 17 years ago, right. that there were people that, you know, that wasn't meeting their needs because there was a gap in insurance. Uh, so there's liability issues. There's a gap in reliability um, because you are just hiring one person on her own. So if there's childcare issues, if there's an injury, if there's any kind of family mm -hmm. or life event, suddenly you've got a company coming and no one's come to clean your house and they're not returning their phone calls and they still have your house key and all the stories of people who've spent money to rekey their house because someone's just gone off grid. So, you know, so when I say discerning, it's people who want to have a company that comes in who has that accountability. And a, and a certain level of service. And a level yeah. of service, yeah. yeah. And, and consistency and quality, yes. Okay. yes. So when you first started out, were you, were you a one-person show? Oh, yes. I wow. started everything and tried to figure out everything. And it's sort of interesting to, to look back at that when I was building all of those pieces and now, of course, in franchising, that our franchise partners can start up from the beginning as well, but they have, it's very much a turnkey. They have all these pieces in place um, because, you know, I figured it out at the at get-go, making all the mistakes and learning as, as we went along. And, uh, and then, of course, fine-tuning it over the years. And, and then the exciting part in the last few years is 
all the changes that technology has brought about and how have we upped our game that way, you know, like moving our scheduling system, you know, 15 years ago, it was all on pieces of paper. (laughs) We would print out and give to staff. Now it's all online and they go to their app on their phone and, you know, it's, uh, it's been exciting to sort of incorporate that into our system. So when you're, when you were a one person show, how, like, Take me kind of through the trajectory. How, how fast did you start hiring people? And, and when did you realize that you had something here that could be franchised? I intended to franchise, even though at the time I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I knew that I wanted to build a brand and a system that could be duplicated. And I knew that... Um, so that was part of the goal at the beginning. And I started hiring pretty much right away. Um you know, the website went live in, in April, uh, started getting the first clients that summer, um, hired the first staff that fall. So that had always been wow. because, and that was one the one piece that I was very comfortable with from the HR background, the hiring, the selection, the training process was something that I was, you know, comfortable with. Um, learning to apply it in this industry, of course, was a whole other learning curve that I went <laughs> right. through. And now right. it's, you know, we've got it really down pat. But um, yeah, it was always from the beginning. And then at what point did you, so you always wanted to franchise? At what point did you start selling franchises? So you've been in business for 17 years. Kind of take us back to that initial, uh, I've got something now that I can actually go sell, uh, sell you know, uh, a franchisee Yes. On. Well, I think it really came about <clears throat> after um, I had another child. Um, and that's, you know, typical entrepreneur story. She was born at home on Sunday afternoon and Monday afternoon, Monday morning I was at my desk with her in my lap calling clients. And, um, and it was after that time because, you know, the staff had built up and I had someone working like more in the office and handling more of the administration. And, and it was almost at the point where there was nothing for me to really do like the business is sort of clicking along and I was almost at the point of being bored and thinking okay <laughs> not I'm, bored yeah we can't have that. that's no that's not yeah. good that's very dangerous I'm like okay what's what's the next step and I just felt like okay maybe now is the time to duplicate what we have so I started that first franchise very soon after like a pretty much a year later um, and very quickly learned that franchising is a whole other world that, um, you know, and just because you know how to run your business doesn't mean that you're necessarily equipped to run a franchise system. So that was a whole learning curve, which I feel like, um, you know, I made bold mistakes that people do and, uh, and certainly feeling more confident now and having the team in place to support to really um, then provide the franchise partners the right training and the right ongoing support. And, and we've got a really nice team now. Like we, we had our annual conference just a few weeks ago and two days of workshops and talking. And it's like such a great vibe of support as everyone is running their own business and depending on where they're at is in terms of when they opened. And and it's a, it's a great team. It's a great environment. I really enjoy that. And I'm sort of in this place now where there's so much satisfaction out of partnering with someone because they are where I was 18 years ago of going, I don't really want to have a job job and I want to start a business, but what's it going to be? Well, starting off on your own is, is hard. And we all know the failure rates Mm -hmm. of new businesses. And that's why franchising is so successful in Canada. 
and um, and we are members of the Canadian Franchise Association, and they've done some great studies about. Uh, you know, the prevalency and success rates of franchising in Canada. Well, it's, night, in, it's Canada. night and day compared to someone just starting their own business from scratch. I, well, I, I forget exactly. what the stats are. I think it's 5% survive if you start your own after five years. And I think it's, I'm going to get it wrong, you probably know, but 60%. It's, it's, yeah, it's I think it's really higher. Yeah, yeah, maybe even like 80%. 80% yeah, yeah, yeah. That dramatic of a difference. So think yes. about that. Anyone listening that's maybe thinking of starting their own business, this could be a model for you that you yeah, want Yeah, no, pursue. franchising and the Canadian Franchise Association, of course, is a great resource and, um, you know, to just pick then just the way you, you pick a job and a career that fits you. It's like picking a franchise system that fits you, whether, yeah. you know, do you want to run a coffee shop, a restaurant? Do you want to do something home-based? And, you know, our system is set up to be home-based and, um, you know, and then just finding out what's going to resonate with you and, and then finding the culture that fits with you. Because, you know, it's interesting, even the stories of speaking with potential franchisees and, and, and even our current franchise partners and, their experience of talking to other systems and, oh, well, they didn't have this and they didn't answer this question. They wouldn't tell me that. And they wouldn't, it's like, wow, you know, what's out there. So Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, it's, it's an investment. You're, you're investing in the business. You're going to grow it. The whole idea is that you're building equity and that your whatever your end game is, whether it's the end of your five-year franchise agreement or at a time point after that, that you sell your business and you, you cash out. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's important that you feel comfortable and trust the people that you're partnering with while you're building equity in your business. Rebecca, is that your primary competition? So if I, you know, let's say, for example, I'm about to start a business. I'm looking at, at becoming a franchisee. Is it typical for me to be looking at multiple different industry types? Or has it been your experience that someone's coming to you because they already know they want to have this service-based business that's in alignment with what you already have? Or is someone coming to you saying, I've looked at pizza, I've looked at this, I've looked at that? Is, is that... Usually people, that usually people have it fairly narrowed down. By the time they actually um, sort of make contact with us, they've already narrowed it down and they know they're not interested in, in uh, food because it's either the investment level, because depending on the system you're joining, you could be looking upwards at half a million dollars of equity investment and, you know, 250 plus cash. Um, apart from that, it's a lifestyle issue because that's almost a 24-7 sort it of thing. Is. It is so, 24-7. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, you know, our franchise partners, they tend to be people who, you know, they want that lifestyle and that balance between yes they're business owners and they have their staff and they're members of the chamber of commerce and they're doing all that kind of business ownery things but they don't have to worry about getting a call at 10 o'clock at night and they're not you know dealing with 6 a.m deliveries and Mm -hmm. you know they they have their weekends pretty much to their to themselves so you know it's really when people are in that space and it's narrowed down that then they you know, and sometimes I've heard, well, I, I didn't really think about this particular sector or this service, but otherwise it ticks all the boxes. And so, you know, and I and I and what I've heard as well is people say, well, I like sort of the, the culture and what the brand represents in terms of the integrity and the communication and and the trust and that that appeals to people. Did you find when you were building your system, so, you know, you've got this business and now you've decided you want to franchise it. So in order to do that, you have to you have to have those systems built in to show up a prospect. Did you find that when you were building those systems that actually helped you with your own business because it put some structure behind it? Or were you already pretty good in that area? This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them 
at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to book your free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business. I think it was pretty good in that area. I think what's interesting is that, you know, because there's the the corporate-owned unit um, and that suggestions from the team there, either from the staff or the supervisors or the service manager might go, oh, we want to do, or what about doing X, Y, Z? Because it meets their immediate needs. And then my strategic viewpoint is, well, yeah, that meets that particular need, but that can't be duplicated hmm. outside of Ottawa, or that can't be, you know. So it's always thinking about how to create a system that's going to, with enough enough wiggle room and moving parts to fit, you know, the franchise in Milton or the franchise in Toronto or a new franchise that we might be opening in Guelph or Kitchener or wherever. So it's, um, I think that's the interesting part is just sort of balancing out those immediate needs of what those, you know, what's on the ground sort of nitty gritty versus an overall strategic system perspective. Would the ratios be 80-20, do you think? Like, in other words, all your franchisees, <clears throat> excuse me, 80% of what they systems apply to, you know, to all of them, and then 20% is unique to their individual uh, marketplace? Or is it, is it too much of a, is that percentage too high? Um, yeah, I would say if, if I had to pick some numbers, perhaps more like 90-10. Um, and it has more to do with sort of style and being responsive to um, what those individual markets are doing, especially around hiring. You know, what works to hire in one place might not necessarily be applicable to another. Um, so there's always that room. Right, right. And when did you, so when you first started franchising, did you, was it just Ottawa? It was, uh, yeah, the first one was in Ottawa. The first few were in Ottawa, yeah. And what were the challenges when you went outside of Ottawa for the first time? I think to some extent it's the, The observation, the monitoring, the authentication, because it isn't a store. So you can't just randomly show up and do a check the way, you know, if you were running, opening a burger joint, you could just show up or ask a friend to just show up and just see how they're doing. You know, this is a home-based business. So it's, you know, there's, we have certainly lots of measures in place and reporting and, and whatnot, but this is a business, it's a service business. And so it's really reliant upon the integrity and the work style and the discipline of the person running it. And I think the biggest mistake was that um, learning to evaluate in people what their motivation and discipline level is because they may have a conversation and several conversations where they're saying, where all, they're, the right they're saying right. all the right, right. things right. And, and the intent may really be there mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it and they wake up in the morning and there, there isn't someone banging on the door getting them to open up the shop it's down to their own discipline and it's easy to get distracted and it's easy to find excuses and all of those you know, procrastination measures that, that humans can go through. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a great experience to kind of learn how to measure and test for that. And of course, there's systems like this franchise profile, profiling type um, tools that, that are now applied to sort of really, you know, test whether their intentions match their skill set. Mm-hmm. Before we went live, we were talking about, you know, uh, 17 years ago, 18 years ago, there really wasn't a whole lot of information for you to try to 
gain business knowledge or, or, or entrepreneurship knowledge, I should say. Yes. Was there one or two kind of go-to books back then that, that you read instead of Well, you know, Michael Michael Gerber's E-Myth, E-Myth, E-Myth yeah, was course. just yeah, life-changing, yeah, nice. of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Almost every guest I've had on the podcast mentions E-Myth. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, and I think that's important. I think it's so valid today too because Agreed. it's um, it's timeless. No, it is. It's timeless, yeah. and just that mindset of you're you're building a business. Don't do the work yourself. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's the trap that you know I've seen my own franchise partners fall into. It's like, well, I'll just go out and do the work yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't. You, yeah. you need to build your team. You need to be running the business. And, yeah. and uh, so I think that's important. I also read um, a story of. I won't remember the name now, but they're oh, Mrs. Fields Cookies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read the Classic. story of Mrs. Fields Cookies, right. and uh, I thought that was really inspiring. It's just that idea that, you know, it, it's a cookie. You go into the grocery <laughs> store, you go into the grocery That's store, true. and there's an aisle full of cookies, and you go, well, there's no online then, but, right. you know, you go to a bookstore, and there'll be books full of recipes for cookies. You wouldn't think there was room for a new brand of cookie, and she did it. Mm-hmm. because of the branding, because of the unique aspect, because of the service, because of the experience that she was providing. It was a whole a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw in that inspiration for how you can take something that already exists, but make it your own and make it unique and, and appeal to people in a way and, and fill a need that exists. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I don't know when Michael Ber- uh, Gerber's book came out. I think it was 85 or 86. So think about that. And yet people are still reading. I think it's the yes. number three all-time uh, best-selling business book. And any of our listeners out there, it really is, I think it's must In fact, I think it's the first book you should read. And uh, and it's so much of it still applies today, despite technology and all the changes that we've had. It just, uh, it's it's a great read. And, and it really is an eye-opener to work on your business, not just in your business, you know, uh, it's an entrepreneurial mindset and, and things like that. Um, it, any any lessons you want to pass along? Maybe two or three kind of top, I'm sure you've got hundreds, but two or three top lessons uh, to our listeners. Uh, maybe mistakes, not necessarily mistakes you made that you want others to avoid, but just things you've learned. You say, you know what, boy, if I would have known that sooner, I would have been a bit further ahead. I think it's, it's asking questions. And if you feel like you've asked enough questions, find more questions to ask. Because I... You know, there's so much resource and inspiration out there. And, um, you know, I went through that with franchising and I, I would cold call people and ask questions. And But then I realized later the answers they gave me was like totally not accurate and not helpful. And, and the, almost to the point of, were they trying to mislead me? So, you know, keep asking questions, look for expertise, um, look for free expertise. Sometimes when you're, um, you know, there's lots of paid advisors and professionals out there, but they're not necessarily have your own best interests at heart or they don't necessarily are tuned into your own vision for the business that you're trying to create. So that's where, you know, reaching out, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn now or inviting people for lunch, I'll buy you lunch, I'll buy you coffee, can I pick your brain and ask you about different things? Um, you know, just reaching out and getting as much expertise and input and other people's perspective as possible to help influence you creating your own vision for your business. And would you say, Rebecca, it's okay to go outside of your industry for that help? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because okay. business skills and marketing skills and HR and culture building and all of those elements of business are true no matter what sector you're in. And do you think it's fair to say, uh, this is a common theme on the podcast, that I, I encourage people to go out and, and mentors may be too strong of a word for what you're suggesting, but I find people, entrepreneurs, we're just open to talking about this stuff. Yes. We're happy to share our success because it's just nice to talk to someone that's that's going through the exact same things that we are. Has that been your experience as well? Yes, absolutely. When I've reached out to people, and uh, again, like I said, just cold call, cold email, people are generally very open, happy to share information, happy to talk, and uh, always receptive. Yeah. So now you you know you're running a very successful business. Seventeen years. Congratulations, by the Thank way. You. I congratulated you before, but we'll we'll do it official now. Um, is there? Uh, you're obviously a busy person. Any uh, tips or tricks from a time management perspective you'd like to pass along? Delegate. Learn well, to delegate. That was fast. <laughs> learn to delegate. Yes. Well, it's an ongoing practice for me. It's to learn to delegate. Yeah. And it just came up on Friday. Some new thing came in and. And I'm right away thinking, oh, how am I going to find time to do this? And I thought, hold on, I don't actually have to do this. I can assign this piece to the bookkeeper and I can assign this piece to somebody else. And, you know, now it's getting done, but it's off my own because there's only so many hours a day. So you've got to really focus on what is it that I need to do myself versus what can I assign and delegate and have trusted people of your team to do. Why do you think that's so difficult for us to do? Because honestly, I, I haven't met an entrepreneur yet that 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 doesn't struggle with that. What is it about our, our makeup that, that is preventing well, us from doing the, this? The, the yogic answer is it's ego. And we right. think we can do it better. And, you know, <laughs> we can do it ourselves better and faster. You know, or it's going to be guilty, more guilty, time. Guilty, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or it'll take so much time to explain to someone how I want it done. I'll just be quicker for me to do it myself. So that's where it's a little bit of letting go, letting go of that ego, letting go of, yeah, yeah. and uh, letting go of, you know, maybe it, and being more results focused and less process focused. So I can assign something to someone and mm. they may get to the same result, taking a different path and different process than I did. And that's got to be okay. But that's okay. Yeah. Because the end result is what we were needing. The end result is what we were looking for. So it's all about that, you know, productivity and result yeah. and not getting so hung up on process it must be your business model must be very gratifying that you're basically helping other entrepreneurs achieve their dreams like I, it's you know, like a win-win yeah, because totally. there's that piece of it right and then the actual business ourselves is that we're making lives better for our clients right. and we hear that all the time if people come home oh, after having yeah yeah of course yeah of course. that people come home after having a crappy day at work and their boss yelled at them and you know whatever's going on in their personal life and they come home and it's cleaning day and the house is clean yeah. And how much pleasure that gives them. And now on the weekend, instead of fighting with their spouse about who's supposed to be cleaning <laughs> the bathroom this weekend, uh, they can go to the cottage, go for a walk, spend, you know, sleep in. It, it's all that quality of life piece. And um, and for the pet sitting and the home checks as well, there's, there's so much of that. Of people who are, they're going away, they're traveling for work, they're taking that cruise. And they're so worried about how their cat is doing. Or they're so worried about, you know, and we have a lot of snowbirds who leave their home for the whole winter. Mm -hmm. And um, and just seeing that check-in and, you know, because our, our system, you can even send pictures of how the plant's doing and all of that. Oh, cool. And how much uh, peace of mind that provides people. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's huge. So it's, it's creating good things all around. Nice. 
So we're almost out of time. All right. <laughs> before uh, before we wrap up, though, uh, I know you're you're active in the community. Can you share with our listeners uh, a little bit about what you do? Well, right now I'm president of the board of the Better Business Bureau of Eastern Ontario and the Udaway, uh, which is we're close to becoming the biggest BBB board in Canada, which is wow. exciting. Very exciting. So lots of exciting things to do about that, and I feel that that's uh, a great fit around integrity in the in the workplace in the in the marketplace and uh, for consumers and that accountability for for businesses i think is um you know i'm enjoying that uh, in the past i've chaired the board for harmony house women's shelter mm. um which was very great cause yeah great cause yeah. and really gratifying experience yeah. and met some wonderful and much, people much needed through that yes yeah. very yeah. much needed and um, and as a brand, as a company, we've been involved in different charitable things over the years. We've done uh, food drives for the food bank and, of course, donated services to a lot of different um, fundraisers and uh, charitable organizations. I feel like that, that community connection and that giving back is... Is important. I, I agree. I, I really think that you know I got to be careful. I, I tend to get on a soapbox when it comes to this <laughs> stuff, but I'm just a big believer in it that you've got to you've got to serve the community that's serving you. Absolutely. And I think it's a, I think it's a it's a it's an obligation, quite frankly. That and it, and you know what it doesn't have to be monetary. I understand. And some of our listeners, you know, maybe you're just starting up, but but don't wait five years. You know, if you can do anything early on, even just volunteering your time or your staff's time, it doesn't have to be, uh, I think people get hung up, unfortunately, on, oh, geez, if I'm not donating this big giant check, I'm really not doing, no, you, there's no, you so don't have to do the big sponsorships, you don't right. have to put your name on the side of a big building or anything, it can just be little grassroots ways of how to create more awareness within your client base, within your employee base of a certain cause that, that resonates with you. Yeah, agreed. So uh, before we let you go, where can our listeners find out more about both the, the services that you offer and as well as uh, uh, potential uh, franchisees that may be out well, there? Well, of that, course, uh, it's all online now, Pat. <laughs> so, you know, conciergehomeservices.com is the best place to go and uh, chsfranchise.ca. Um, but you can link to either site from the others. So if you go to conciergehomeservices.com, there's a, you know, franchise button there that you can link through to, to there. And um, yeah, lots of information available. Great. Thanks very much, Rebecca. Really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank your you time. so much, Pat. I enjoyed it.